Want to hear 25 remote work experts share their amazing strategies and processes for building successful remote work companies and remote team? We've got speakers from leading companies like Thinkific, Evergreen Profits, Dynamite Circle, and Tribe Theory, and more. Register for your free ticket now at www.remotebusinesssummit.com. That's right, www.remotebusinesssummit.com. We'll see you there, November 18 to 22. Woohoo! Welcome to Founders Connect Podcast. We help lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Did you know that approximately 45% of marriages end up in divorce and 65% of all startups fail due to founder conflicts? Well, we're here to change that. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest and practical tips to help you with business, relationships, and sustainable living. Now, let the fun begin! Hi, I'm Cindy Pham. And I'm Anthony Chansomuth. And we're from Founders Connect. Today, we're speaking with Carl Taylor from Automation Agency. Carl is an author. He's a serial entrepreneur, having bought, started, built, and sold companies over the last 18 years. Pretty impressive looking. I mean, if you see a photo of Carl or a video of him, he's quite young, unless he's sort of ages. He's found the, the, the secret to youth. Um, right. And he is currently the founder of two companies. Automation Agency is a digital marketing service for busy coaches and small business owners who know what they want and need done, but don't have the time or tech skills to do it themselves. And he's also got Business Builders Academy, which is an education company for entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to be true business owners rather than business operators. And we're going to dive into a little bit about that in a moment. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, this is really fascinating to see your journey because we met almost a decade ago back on the days when we, myself and Poi, were running a Facebook ad agency and right. you, were, you were already in the business builders world and you were starting to really work with coaches and coaching yourself and doing these sort of things. So tell me about this idea of working in the business and working on the business, right? And what you've sort of your trajectory and how that's led to you being where you are today. Absolutely. I, look, I, I think for many people who call themselves business owners, they, by my definition, are not business owners. They have themselves a job. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, there's no judgment there. Like, like it's just people understanding what they've got and being okay with what they've got. When I was about 20 years old, I had a business coach change my philosophy of business. He basically told me the definition of a business was a commercial profitable enterprise that works without you. And the key part there that really grabs you, I mean, commercial and profitable, meaning you actually should be going after actually making money and have a business that is profitable. But the key part there is it works without you. And I would say for the last 13 years, I mean, that was what happened when I was 20. I'm currently 33. So for the last 13 years, I've been obsessed with figuring that out. How do you build a business that works without you? And I've tried it and done various different iterations from an IT business, a gift basket business, coaching business, the agency, and then back into coaching. And and coaching is, is a tough one. It's hard to actually have a business that works without you as a coach. But the agency, I very much have that now. And for the last three months, I literally completely stepped away. For, for over 18 months, I've kind of been in what I would call, I call leader level, where I've just kind of leading the team and that's more in the owner. So if you think about it, there's two, two sections, you've got operators and you've got owners. Operators are the people who are self-employed or their managers. And sadly, a lot of people who think they're business owners 
only ever get to the manager level. That's as high as they get. And they never make the leap up into the true business owner level, which is where you become the leader. Whereas a leader, you're more just steering the ship a little bit. You're giving direction, but you're not involved in the day-to-day anymore. And then if you can make it to the next level up, that's where you become an investor, where you're now actually purely looking at the business from a complete return on investment standpoint, and you're not involved in any of the day-to-day at all, really. And I'm just very blessed to have been able to build a company that allows me to be in that. I was in the leader for a long time, and I've more recently stepped into that investor stage. And there's challenges along the way. Each of those stages have different challenges, and they have different opportunities as well. Yeah, I'm glad you sort of covered those different levels. And I've sort of obviously someone who's reading and immersed in that world and working with different clients at different levels. It's always amazed me when I meet someone and they're like, oh yeah, I've got five businesses. And I'm thinking, how the hell are you doing that? Like (laughs) knowing what it takes just to run one business and get that profitable and scalable, right? Yeah. So how did you arrive at the, I guess, mental shifts required to move between levels and where do you learn that stuff? Because that's not something you typically get from a blog or uh, a podcast or, or whatever it may be. And What's some advice here or not advice, but some lessons that you've learned along the way and you see, I guess, where people typically get stuck when it goes from being the operator to becoming the owner. Let's start with with that level because that's probably where the majority of our audience is going to be. Yeah, 100%. And so if we talk about the operator, people who are in operator, you're either self-employed, meaning that it's basically a business of you. You might have a bookkeeper that you outsource to. You might have a few outsource services, but at the end of the day, the business is you. At that level... The big mindset shifts that need to happen there is realizing that you can let go and bring other people in and getting over the fear. A lot of it is fear around that fear of, can you afford it? Fear of, will they do it right? Will they, you know, is this growing too fast? So there's a lot of fear that happens in that level, but eventually you get to the point, if you're doing well, once you, as a self-employed person, when you start doing really well, what happens is you become a, you know, chase the work, do the work, chase the work, do the work. And so you're just running around constantly because Cash flows up and down because you get a client, now you're doing the work and you're not getting new clients. And then you finish doing that work and you're like, oh, cash is getting a bit tight again. I better go get another client. You go get another client. Oh, now I need to do their work. And you just, you're stuck in that back and forth. And eventually you start going, I need to bring in some help to do some bits of it. And that's when you start to move up to the manager level. And you can be a manager level with just a handful of either remote or physical staff and even a team of subcontractors. Or you can also still be a manager with a team of 100 people, right? And you're just still so ingrained in the day-to-day of how the business works. And so the big shifts that happen there, it's in both those levels, actually. One of the biggest fears and mistakes I see people make is they say, no one can do it as well as I can. And what I say to that is, you're right. You're probably right. They can't and they won't do it as well as you can. But here's the thing. Average efforts multiplied will always beat one perfect performance. So... In my team, in automation agency, like, I mean, you know me, right? I'm a very techie person. And in the beginning for automation agency, what I was really good at is the automation stuff, right? These days, not as much because I'm not involved in that so much, but I was really good at it. And even now, my best team member, my absolute best team member, and she's an absolute superstar. She's the closest clone I've made to me. She'll still take probably three times as long as me to do something. And it'll be still not quite up to my level. But you know what the difference is? I have a team of 40 odd people who are doing more than I could ever handle, more clients than I could ever handle, more stuff than I could ever handle myself. So there's a big shift that has to happen there, realizing that, you know what, it's right, that probably no one will do it as well as me. And you just got to get to go over that and go, okay, but the return and the impact 
of who you can help, how many more clients you can serve, the size of your business, whatever your goals and the reason you're doing it is, can be far greater when you leverage and multiply rather than trying to get everything perfect. So that's, a, that's probably one of the biggest mental shifts that just listening to this podcast is not going to make you happy. But if this plants the seed that makes you start to realize that, then you're on your journey for sure. And I think a related fear to what you've just shared there, Carl, is how can I transition to another team member or transition the client to another team member? What if the client loves Carl so much and like I'm so used to the quality that Carl delivers, how can I deal with you bringing on someone else? Mary's now taking over. How can we address that? You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. Mm, yeah, great. It, it, and, and it's a transitionary phase. I remember in my IT business, we, we did that when we first brought on some of our team. And you know, one of the big things is training clients to stop emailing you directly. So we were an IT company and I was, for a long time, I was the key person that people called and emailed for tech help. And then as we built a team, we set up an actual help desk, like email support app, as opposed to Carl app. And you kind of had to train people. And I don't have that business anymore. So I can admit that what I did is I had to actually, sometimes I saw an email from someone that had been emailed to me and to make sure I trained and educated the client that no, you don't email me anymore. You go to the joint group email address. What I did is I would say, I would leave it. I would see the email and I would ignore it. I would ignore it for a period of time so I could then later come back and go, oh, I just saw this email. In future, if you want the fastest response, be sure to send it to support app. And it's the same that happens with your team. I learned this as, as my team grew too. If you make yourself too available, clients or team members, then they never learn. You kind of train helplessness. So if they could keep emailing me directly rather than the joint email address that would have got a team member supporting them rather than me, they need to have some sort of a penalty because if it's always better for them to email you direct, they're not going to stop emailing you direct. They're just not. So there is a transitionary period of educating the client, introducing the new team member into the fold, and always you need to be able to frame it up and position it in how it's going to help them and be better. So you notice there for that, it's like, so you can get help faster and get more support because you know what I'm doing is now on other things, your fastest way of getting support is if you email the joint support channel where all of us have access to it rather than getting it to me. And as long as you can communicate that clearly, clients will usually take it on board. I think a lot of the time it's our ego. We think the client loves us and there are occasions that they like the personal relationship, but just because you're not the one doing the work anymore doesn't mean that that personal relationship needs to discontinue. A lot of automation entity clients, a lot of them personally know me and are still good friends, but very few of them ever talk to me. There are a few that might go, hey, can you help me with this? But generally, they're very happy in the fold working with the team and they'll go through all the right channels for escalating if there's issues and things. They'll talk to the support people. They'll upgrade to the managers. They'll deal with it all. It's only if things get really crazy or there's something that they might reach out to me personally. And uh, we still have great relationships though. And that's huge. I think that you're right. It's about educating clients and team members how to deal with you. And that's leadership, right? That's a part of setting your boundaries and also helping facilitate effective communication channels, right? With the right people. I love that. So one thing I wanted to ask you here is what's a moment in your history, career, business, whatever you want to go there, your life, which has been one of the most courageous and challenging decisions you've had to make? And um, what was that journey like? There's so many challenging decisions over 18 years of business. The one that first comes to mind though, the one that jumps to mind is automation agency. 
when I first started Automation Agency, I quit coaching at the time because I realized that people really loved just, they needed help to get things done. And when I started Automation Agency though, I set it up essentially as a manager of business. You know, I had a bit of a team who were doing things, but a big part of the business was me. I was the one doing the sales. I was the one doing the strategy for the client. I was writing the copy. I was designing. We were a full service agency, not the model we have now. We were, a, you know, to pay us 10, 15 grand and we'd set up a sales funnel, websites, et cetera, for you. And it was one day that all of a sudden I was like, I was in that trap of chase the work, do the work, chase the work, do the work. And so cash flow was up and down. And um, I'd realized, I, you know, I knew that I needed some sort of recurring. So I'd started selling this recurring thing as an upsell on the back end. Of that. And we had a few people on that. The challenge was, I was like, I've, what have I done? I've built myself a job. You know, I've just been spending the last how many years coaching people about how to build a real business. And then here I am, I've built myself a job, not a business. What have I done? And um, I said to myself, I was like, what if I flipped my model? What if I started selling the monthly membership? on the front end and I upsold to the projects. That was the original idea. And that freaked me out because that was a complete flip of the model. And it also scared me from a cash flow point of view because it was like we were going to go from selling $10,000, $15,000 one-off big hits of cash to, a at the time, $200 a month subscription. And it was like, how many of them am I going to need before I'm actually breaking even and cash flow positive to replace and so it was kind of figuring out how I was going to transition between the project work and that. And that was a really challenging time for me because I actually got down to the point that there was five grand left in the bank and my expenses were more than that. I was like, how am I going to pay for everything? And I remember my flatmate at the time, he was also a business owner. And he, I remember him just saying to me, he's like, cause I was freaking out. Like, is my price point going to work? Like, I don't know. He says, how many people do you need to know if the price point works? Cause at this point I had like three subscribers and at the time, naively, I was like 30. If I had 30, I'll know whether the price point works. It took a lot more before I knew the price point needed to go up a bit. But that encouragement was enough to go, okay, I'm just going to focus on getting 30 subscribers. I'm just That's all I'm going to worry about. Yes, 30 subscribers and then we'll go from there. And uh, yeah, it was a difficult and challenging time, but it, it's one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah, I totally relate. <laughs> I relate to that journey because it's like so easy to go, well, I can sell a $5,000, $10,000 consulting package and then to go, well, now I'm going to sell a you know, $90 a month SaaS product. <laughs> like, how am I going to get the volume yeah. to do that or to sell a membership service or something like that? I'm sure people listening to this and go, yes, <laughs> how did you do that? But we're not going to jump into that right here. I'm sure we'll get Kyle back in another time to talk about that transition. Kyle, you're going to be talking about how to effectively lead, manage, and communicate with remote staff. Can you just give us some context as to you know your team currently with the agency or, or whatever it may be? And why do you think that's an important topic for people to learn right now? So Automation Agency, we're a team of, I think it's roughly about 40-ish right now. I don't know the exact number because it's not really my role to be involved <laughs> anymore. Um, but the, everyone works from home, myself included. Everyone is remote. And we have people in the US, we have people in the Philippines, and we have me in Australia. I started with a team of three remote, everyone being remote, everyone working from home. So we've never had an office for Automation Agency. And then now, yeah, we've grown to this team of 41, 42. We have had a lot of challenges over the years of trying to figure out because you read these books, right? You read all these great leadership books and do this to create good team culture. And a lot of it is like, you know, put this poster on the wall and do this and put your scoreboard and you're going to go, okay, so how do I apply this in a remote environment? How do I make this work? You know, how do I do a reward where we all, you know, we have a nice party and, um, you know, drink some drinks and have pizza when everyone lives in a completely different place, we're all remote. 
It's not like we've got a remote office overseas. No, like every single person is in a different place. How do we make that work? And so that's, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the different ways of how you create that culture and create cohesiveness and a, and a great team from a remote point of view. But I'm also going to be talking about, well, how do you, how do you lead and make sure that it's effective? Some of the lessons I've learned along the way of going from a team of three, the way you approach that in a remote team versus when you get to a bigger team. Like there are things that if I had done them the way I do them now in the beginning, it would have made life a lot easier. So if I can help you avoid some of those mistakes, that's uh, my goal too. So that's what we'll be talking about. Awesome. That's going to be epic. And you're going to be giving away a prize for one lucky winner who uh, joins your particular session on the summit. What's that prize going to be? So that prize is a one-on-one with me. Um, I don't do a lot of one-on-ones these days, but a one-on-one consulting session with me typically be charging around $1,500 for that. And this is for you and I to work on a plan and figure out what the next stage for you to remove you from your business is. Because as I said, there's the different levels. So I don't know where you're at. And that's the first thing is to identify where you're at. Are you self-employed? Are you a manager? Or maybe luckily for you, you've jumped up and you're in the leader level. Wherever you're at, let's map then what are the next stages you need to do to move to the next level. So if you're a leader, how do you become an investor? If you're a manager, how are we going to get you to a leader? And put together a bit of a plan and you know, that's yours. I've got nothing to sell you after. It's purely literally to work with you and give you that plan of what to do next. That's huge. I mean, just getting that guidance from someone who's been there and done that, <laughs> that's, that's massive. So really appreciate that. Okay, guys, if you want to jump in on winning that prize, but also just to learn from the experience uh, that Carl's had over the past 18 years, definitely head over to www.remotebusinesssummit.com register for your free ticket. The event goes down on November 18 to 22, and you'll be able to connect with Carl, myself, and 25 other experts talking about remote work and the future of work as it is now. Now, Carl, your website, is it automationagency.com? Yes, so automationagency.com. And if you're looking to find me personally, carltaylor.com is where to go as well. Awesome. So go, I'll drop that in the show notes and uh, please go check that out and say hi to Carl and tell him that Amph uh, says he's got a beautiful white shirt. Okay. <laughs> so guys, we'll see you on the summit and Carl, we'll see you definitely on the summit. Thanks, mate. Looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in and remember to live passionately, purposefully and confidently. Till next time. Ciao.